Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schiffel. Hey, that is Steve Jones. And today on the program, we have Mark McMillan from a band called The Story Changes. Uh, and he's also in a, a band called Hawthorne Heights. So he has a, he has a couple bands. Nice, busy guy. Yeah, well, not right now. Uh, we actually did uh, Concert Pipeline's first ever FaceTime interview. Now, well, we're, look at that. Now, we're That's... FaceTiming right now, uh, but this is no you know, foreign thing for us to do uh, with the podcast, right? Right. It's just, uh, it just doesn't happen to be our medium when it comes to uh, interviewing um, you know, individuals or bands or what have you. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, we've done been doing phone interviews here and there when we can. We we typically try and get to the concerts and do the interviews at the concerts, cover the show as well. Hence, concert pipeline. But um, if that can't happen, we do a phone interview. But never ventured into FaceTime. But I figured with this one, I was like, you know what? We're in a different time right now, uh, and it really helped to have that face to face connection. Um, when... Absolutely. Yeah, it's time to adapt to the times, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so I talked to Mark. Uh, he was obviously home because no one's really going anywhere but home, uh, right? And uh, uh, and and so we did a little FaceTime interview, and it was uh, it was a good conversation. We'll get into that in a, in a little bit. But Jens, uh, let's talk about the past week of the end of the world. The- yes, it is the end of the world as you know it. And I feel fine. I do feel actually fine. Sometimes I feel a little bit like. Mm, you know, cabin fever. I just got to get out. Let me just run around the house real quick or something, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so far so good over here. It's just sort of boredom management. Okay. So have you gotten out of the house in the past week? I did. I have to tell you the story. I have to tell you the story. Tell me the story. So I went down the street. And you have taken this walk with me, like from my house uh-huh. down the street to the 7-Eleven. I have, yes. It's like one long block. It, it is. It's quarter mile-ish. Yeah, and that might have been the only time I've ever walked there. Uh-huh. <laughs> you never want you. No, no, no. You don't want to walk there. Why would you I walk there? I just drive. Yeah, not uh-huh. because I'm lazy necessarily, but just because I I don't have the you know time to take a walk and back or it's, you know, it's too late and it's dark and cold and you know whatever there's always an excuse there's always i mean it's a quarter mile it's a three minute walk you know four if you're taking your time yeah right 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 so here i am like okay i gotta buy some beer you know get ready for this podcast here and uh and um right before i hopped in the car i just opened my last beer i actually had one beer left i opened it and i'm like okay i'm just gonna take a swig of this and then take a deep breath and it's like work is over now i can enjoy the evening Freaking spilled the thing all over the place. I can't believe it. Yeah. Like three quarters of the can all over the counter. And I was like, why did I do that? And I had such a frustrating like half last half day at work, I guess. And I there's just, and there's no getting out. You know, you can't you can't get to the beer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like, God damn it. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I went to the um I went to the seven eleven. And I was kind of wondering, gosh, when's the last time I was at this 7-Eleven? I think it was maybe the day or the day after the whole quarantine thing, the social distancing thing started. It's now physical distancing in case you're... It's physical. Yes. Thank you. It's physical distancing. That's what it should be. Yeah. Physical distancing. 
Yeah, because we're we're not socially distanced, you and I, right now. Even though we're about forty five minutes away from each other, we are we are very connected socially. We are very connected socially. physically, though. No, no, we nah, got not so much. No, no. and the forty five minutes. Um, you have a heavy foot, dude, because it takes me like fifty seven <laughs> minutes to get over to your house. <laughs> I, you know, you've got a heavy fucking foot. Anyway. I don't waste time. So, so, so. Um, I don't know when was that like two weeks ago or something whenever sure. this whole lockdown happened in California. Yeah. Um, so I walk into uh, I walk into Seven Eleven and I I brought my own bag and um, I thought it, I thought I'd come prepared right I thought mm-hmm. I'd come prepared I bring my own bag so there's less touching of stuff and then I I would just grab my beer put it in the bag maybe grab a Snickers or something you know put it in the bag pay for it and I had my watch you know that has my credit card on it and i was going to not even touch my wallet and i wanted to be as touchless as possible right yeah and i figured the beer was probably good because it's really really cold and the virus probably doesn't live in a really really cold i don't know sure. uh snickers was kind of like a mm, you know maybe I'm sure. i mean but dude i walk in there there may be three other people in that store and I felt so unprepared. Yeah. I mean, we have people wearing masks. We have people wearing things on their heads, gloves, and they're they are physically distancing themselves like crazy. And you come like, in and you're like high fiving people uh, left and yeah, right. You I, know, I'm coming like, in. I haven't been outside of the house in yeah. two weeks. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, everybody, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. You know, let's uh, let's like find out what's going on in the neighborhood. Share some stories, right? <laughs> but everybody was like, "Look at it, you're like you're, yeah, yeah, like who's that tall guy buying beer, man?" So uh, you so cough, you couldn't clear out a place, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here I was in the candy section, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna buy these like big Snickers, and I realized like the, the entire aisle, you can't see the floor because it's all just has boxes all over it. Like they haven't had time to replenish the shelves. Yeah. Um, and there was one other customer on the other side of the, on the other end of the aisle. Uh-oh. And she saw me like, oh my God, you know, this guy, he was like 36 feet from me. I better <laughs> leave. Right. Yeah. And she disappears. She like looks at me and like, Both lines it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and then I go to the counter and I didn't realize this when I walked in to the store because the the checkout counter is right where the front door is. Sure. Like for some reason, I didn't realize that. But here I am. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be all high tech. I'm going to use my Apple Watch. Got my credit card on it and stuff. And I look at the cashier, dude. Um, and he is like covered head to toe. I mean, he looks like a surgeon. Yeah. Right? And then between him and myself is this makeshift divider. Like, the whole thing is made out of saran wrap and, like, packaging tape. Wow, okay. And it's huge. I mean, it goes yeah. up maybe 10, 12 feet. Wow, okay. And there's a tiny little hole in it where you can, like, I don't know. Jimmy or Carter or something? money yeah, yeah. through or something. Yeah, the card reader's on the outside, so that mm. wasn't the problem. But I guess people that pay cash, there's a little hole or whatever, you can talk through it. And I'm like... Wow. Is it, are they doing those at all? Prepared. Yeah, I did. I did not wrap myself in saran wrap. Mm-hmm. I did not uh, wrap myself in bubble wrap. I didn't have my mask. I didn't no. have my surgical scrubs. I mean, I felt like I was living under a rock. I was not prepared for the Seven Eleven, dude. But you know what? I pull my last card, which is uh-huh. I'm gonna pay 
contactless pay. And I, you know, double click the button or hold the button down or whatever you do to get Apple Pay to show up. And boom! I had none of my credit cards on there. What? Recently erased my watch and forgotten to re-add that shit. Okay. (laughs) Did you have a card beside that or? Yes, but I stood there for like five minutes trying to somehow add the card through the watch because I didn't have my phone with me, knowing that that wasn't possible. But anyway, I was stubborn and I was standing there like trying to get this fucking thing to work. And that lady who beelined it, Finally came around and started waiting in line too, mm-hmm. and it was obviously it was obvious that she was waiting, but she was still like twenty feet away. She was not happy with you either. She was like, "You're taking forever," and she, yeah. yeah, she was hanging way back there, like where the hot dogs and donuts are. So anyway, busted out the wallet, got out my credit card, and I'm like, "Okay, I still can do this contactless with like the wireless chip in here, right?" So I ding, eh, error, please insert chip. I'm like, Oh, so boom! I had to slide my card into that reader like it was some kind of bitch, and then it bing! I was out of there, dude. Got your beer paid in the car. Did you get enough beer for like a little while at least? Because like that's the thing is like I have two and a half twelve packs here, and it it feels like it's not enough. You know? Yeah, it never is. You know, I buy the beer, and it's like okay, this will last me two or three weeks. Yeah, and it's like. Six days later, shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, go back to the store. I've had the first couple of days this week uh, where I didn't drink at all, uh, y- you know, uh, which since this started two and a half weeks ago, almost three weeks ago now. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I was drinking every night, not heavily or anything, but I'd have a drink or two every night. And I mean, because it's just, this is a fuck, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just. Were you drinking by yourself? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it past me. Um, the nights that I was by myself, I would have uh, a drink by myself. But I wasn't by myself every time until this week. This week, I've spent the whole week by myself. And I have, I mean, I've had con- direct contact with no one. I saw, I mean, I saw my girlfriend, Tracy. She came over uh, for uh, like an, an hour and stood by her car while I stood up on the porch because we don't want to cross those circles with her household that has she has a roommate and two four-year-old twins that live in the house and uh, uh, mm-hmm. there's you know a house sitter and stuff and um, to, to watch the kids and uh, and uh, and then my circle which is just me and the dog really but then the kids come on the weekend and I, and I can't give that up right because there's yeah. there's a loop you know a variable in that loop but I need to see my kids and yeah. and so I'm being super careful. I haven't left, right? Like I mean I I haven't I dro- uh, drove over to get the dog's meds one this week uh 5 minutes away and sat, stayed in my car and they brought it out to me. You know, but I like I'm like I get these urges that I like I I want to go to the store to get stuff, right? Like uh I want uh I want more alcohol even though I'm not out. <laughs> uh, I, I see things in the fridge and I'm like, oh, I don't have enough. I, I don't have enough food in the fridge, and I don't. I need more. And then I, my sweet tooth is fucking me right now because it's like, <laughs> no, I can't have donuts or cookies or. You were going off on the donuts, dude. Yeah. When that's did a... I? When did I change my little emoji mm-hmm. to work? Yeah. To you... Donut. That was yesterday, maybe. Yeah, the day before. Uh, but day yeah. before you've been talking about that like crazy. Yeah, because I've got another friend at work who isn't used to working at home, right? She um, she uh, was kicked out of the corporate building, had to go work at home. 
And she's like, I don't, can't handle this working at home thing. I'm not that focused. So I went to the kitchen. I was like, I've got these bananas. I've got peanut butter. I've got chocolate. I'm going to make cookies. So yeah. I thought about you. Cookies yeah. in your honor. My, my daughter made cookies like a week ago. Um, but then, you know, I mean, she left and most of the cookies are here and they got eaten. But most by me. How does, how does, how does that <laughs> I give one to Tracy, but uh, I ate the rest. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, but that, I haven't had any cookies. I mean, a couple of Oreos that were in here just because I have to give this for my son. But, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, you know, the, the snacky stuff is like not around like it usually is because I can't just mm-hmm. hop over and grab some. And then I'm like, oh, I need, but I'm like, it's not worth getting sick. So I need to, I'm like, I need to hold off as much as I can use what I got. Cause I do have some food. I need to get creative. I have a bunch of cans mm-hmm. now that I got. Uh, so maybe have some soup or something, mm-hmm. you know, this weekend with the kids and just try really hard not to get to the store and, to, you know, as long as possible and then just get everything yeah. in one trip. You know, it's just, it's exactly. really hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, so Seven Eleven is really the only place I've, been to been inside of i should say i've been out a couple of times actually but it's only like one time was just to go pick up pizza Mm -hmm. um or you just kind of knock on you know just kind of wave outside of the window and then come and throw it in your trunk Mm, nice (laughs) that kind of thing um but uh it's a weird life right now yeah Really weird life. And I'm so thankful. I don't know if we said this on the last podcast, but I'm so thankful that, you know, you and I have jobs that uh, you could have in an office or you could have at home. Yeah. And we've been working at home for a while. So, it you know, we, there's no worry of job loss or anything like that. You know, no. so many other people have, have, have been suffering from that. I know it's it's scary out there, and you feel for all those people. I mean, yeah. all the people on un, on unemployment and uh, people. Yeah, that, that, dude, we've got like ten, what, ten million people on unemployment now. Yeah, it's I think, insane. Think of the, I think I don't know how big the Bay Area is. Maybe seven million, eight million, or something. Probably about know. that. Yeah. But dude, imagine the entire Bay Area unemployed. I mean, I'm imagining the entire person. Bay Area not driving, like in the roads empty. It says it's crazy. Traffic uh-huh. not existing. I mean, not yeah. the, not that I've gone to San Francisco or anything, but if I did need to get there, I'd be able to get there in under an hour, which is mm-hmm. hasn't happened since I was a kid. <laughs> like, yeah, it's insane, right? Yeah. It's so weird. The only other time I've ever experienced that was getting up early on December 25th for whatever reason. And then, yeah. you know, driving because nobody is on the road at that time. And yeah. it's the same kind of thing. It's like, there's some kind of like apocalypse going on or That's what? Like I mean, no one is. is around. Is everyone dead? Do they just vaporize? Yeah. It's weird. I mean, we're just a couple weeks into this and it just, you know, the signs are there that this is going to be the norm for a while. And yeah. I mean, this week it was announced, my, you know, my kids are not going to be going back to school this year. Um, in, you For know, the rest of this, this school year. current school year, right? Yeah. So, so that's until what, June 1 mm-hmm. or 5 or? Somewhere around there, yeah. And but, there. but they their teachers are getting creative with uh, class stuff. And my son has a virtual class every pretty much every day with his teacher for, mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, 
and uh, I don't know what my daughter's doing, but uh, I mean, they're, they're homeschooling with their mom and who's doing great with it. And I've given her props over and over because couldn't do this without her. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but. Uh, and uh, it's also good because then you can always blame her if they don't know shit about something. Right. Yes. It's all like, your fault. You, yeah. It's all your fault. Remember that time where we had homes where you had to homeschool them for like five years? Well, why did my daughter fail the fourth grade? Why? It's, yeah. it's all her fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all her mom's fault, right? So exactly. What were you doing? You weren't teaching them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. I don't know. It's uh, we it's won't gonna, go there. It's gonna be an interesting time, and we talked about it a little bit last week. But you know, I I enjoy bands that are getting creative and uh, mm-hmm. and doing vir- uh, virtual uh, shows on either Instagram or another streaming service or what have you. You know, I like, yeah. I like watching that stuff because it's just raw broken down and they're them engaging with their their audience in a way that you know they mm-hmm. haven't before so. yeah it's exactly there's so many different industries that kind of need to reinvent themselves yeah to work in this current climate and that's definitely true for bands uh the only other thing i can think of in recent memory was i, I usually i'm not really a person that turns on the tv to watch news right yeah i just i do that by reading whatever on the internet. Um, when I turn on the TV, it's usually to watch, you know, whatever show or movie. Truly entertainment. Um, that said, I did pull up one of my news apps and I started watching just some news. And like the three broadcasters that are usually behind the, the desk, yeah. all talking, all at home, we're all at home in yeah. separate rooms. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen that, but funny. really, yeah, I know it's, it's, uh, you know, the TV stations are getting creative because they need the content still, yeah, especially there's, pe- there's people, yeah. at, there's a lot more people at home watching too, you know, there's nothing yeah. else to do and they're going to get, the, they're going to get those ratings. And so it's yeah. been cool to see like late, I, I watch a lot of the late night shows now just on YouTube and what, mm-hmm. what they're doing from their homes because it's uh-huh. unprecedented for them. It's some, you know, it's different and weird and they're making the best of it and uh-huh. getting creative and, you know, FaceTiming. Like I saw this morning, I saw Stephen Colbert, uh, had Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter on, uh, on, and, and, and the clip I saw, you know, it's like 13 minutes long, but they, and, uh, they showed the, the like the first three minutes, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's like mic wasn't able to be picked up during it, and and they showed they showed this you know uh, like where they're them like working out the technical technical portion of it to the point where Daniel Radcliffe uh, called he he held, wrote his phone number on a piece of paper held it up for Stephen Colbert they blurred it out but held it up for Stephen Colbert to see uh, you know Stephen Colbert called him uh, on their on their cell phones and they had it on their cell phones and, uh. and they I mean they they were able to record the audio separately on both sides and then edit it together later. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of work they weren't expecting to do, I think. But uh-huh. they, but they did that, and they showed like the, the breakdown of the, you know, how the the first how couple minutes uh, weren't working, and they were troubleshooting. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just like they're breaking down the wall, and just like whatever, yeah. it's throwing it into the wind. You know. Exactly. And, and you know, yeah, sometimes stuff doesn't you know go as expected, but hey, it may, it builds memories. Mm-hmm. 
Bill's memories. And the, and the conversations are, you know, a lot more conversational than than scripted and kind of to points that that, that are kind of prepared ahead of time. You know, they're just like mm-hmm. two people FaceTiming each other um, and, and talking about what a crazy time it is and what, this world that we're in. Right. Like we're doing now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The Internet traffic must be insane. huh? I know. I know. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And energy bills. I mean, I, everybody's energy bill must be going up because they're staying at home. Yeah. Whether it's air conditioning or heat or whatever. I mean, mine's not changing, but. <laughs> well, you know. nothing changed for you. Nothing really. changed for you really on this side, so uh, it's doable. Well, we should get into our guest, Jens. Um, we've been. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like I said, Mark McMillan, uh, the story changes. They put out a new music video uh, for the song Golden Age off their uh, album from last year, To Hell With This Delicate Equation. Uh, And he's from Hawthorne Heights as well. Uh, So we had a good chat about both bands and kind of what he's been up to. And uh, and we're going to bring him in right now. So here's my conversation with Mark McMillan. Mark, how are you doing? Hey, good. How you doing, buddy? I am doing good. Thank you for your flexibility there with time. I was uh, set up on no the, worries. I was set up on the porch, and they're doing work on the property next to mine, and so I'm like, okay, the audio was shit. So, <laughs> oh, it, it happens. Had yeah, to bring it all in. How are where you? Where are you? Where are you located at? Uh, I'm in Napa, California. Okay, so you guys are on lockdown too, huh? Oh yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah, you can't go anywhere, you know. So yeah, it's it's wild. We're on our first official week here of being uh like told to be stay at home but i think everybody's kind of been home for the most part for the last two weeks here yeah so so how's it been for you like staying in and everything what's that look like (laughs) um it's actually been pretty busy uh for the most part just balancing music and home life stuff but um not too bad i haven't gotten too stir crazy yet so yeah yeah You, you binging on any good shows or not really, not yet. Uh, I've heard Tiger King's awesome. Yeah, I have not yeah, that, seen. I have not seen it. That just came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll put that on the list somewhere because uh, I've heard a couple things about that too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just started watching the new Ozark. So. Um, okay. Getting in. I I have yet to see any of those, but um, some of my bandmates say it's really good, and I need to check it out. So I've heard it's awesome. You need to check it out. Absolutely. Yes. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> So, I mean, this is this whole, you know, current thing, it's put a halt in everything. And t- tell me what it's been like in terms of uh, your scheduling and everything, being able to get out there. Obviously, tours are put on hold. Like, um, it's It's been interesting. Uh, for me, between both bands, I'm used to being gone quite a bit. And this was already, um, uh, oddly enough, I got home from tour, uh, mid-February and I'm supposed to be home till the end of May so this was the longest stretch of me being home in 10 years already so um, in a weird way it hasn't affected anything immediate but I we're kind of on with touring being at the end of May like we're, we're kind of like just keeping an eye on things to know you know uh, everyone involves kind of looking at that and trying to decide at what point to things get pushed back a lot of stuff's getting pushed back to later in the year so um we're kind of at a weird spot where we don't know what's going on yet but it's definitely been been a weird phenomenon to see like 
tons of friends who just had records come out and are on tour now had to go home. You know, it's wild. Yeah. And I mean, were they able to get home like these, uh, your, your friends, bands and everything? Like everybody was able to get yeah. home okay? From, from what I've seen online, everyone was able to get home and just kind of sorting it out. So. The, yeah. mo the most extreme case I saw was like Ben Folds was in Australia and, uh, and oh my gosh did you hear about that like he's no that's uh, wild yeah did he get home he missed the cut to be able to get home safely so he like, got an apartment uh, there and he's setting up a studio and everything and doing shows I guess making an album and there so he just staying there for three months he's gonna stay there for three months oh my gosh that's crazy yeah. you know I just we just got home from uh we were in Europe at the very beginning of the year in January and luckily we've been home for a while and, and had no issues and it's it's been well long enough that uh, you know everyone's healthy and everything and shows no symptoms but um, I can't you know my heart goes out to anybody that's dealing with that in that scenario I can't imagine being being over somewhere and, and trying to get home right now that's insane yeah yeah I mean just have to be safe because it's spreading like wildfire right so yeah absolutely yeah. Um, so let's talk about the story changes first, right? So yeah. um, new uh, new album. Uh, well, it, it came out last year. Um, how's the response been to uh, to it so far? Uh, it's been great, and we got to do a little bit of touring on it, which was a lot of fun. Um, we were just real thrilled to get the record out. It's the first record that we've ever recorded ourselves. Uh, I built a studio here at my home, um, and we just kind of. Uh, because all of us are involved in other bands, the the drummer and I, Chris and I, play in Hawthorne Heights, and our uh, our bass player Chris plays in the Stereo. And because we're involved with that stuff, we're kind of busy throughout the year with those bands. So we we were working on a Story Changes record for a while to do another new one, and we just realized it was really hard to block off large blocks of time to do that. So uh, the solution for us was just to build a whole studio here and do it ourselves. And uh, it was pretty rad, man. It was the first time in the history of of our band that we didn't kind of have a, a deadline or owe somebody a record. Um, so yeah. it was kind of cool to um, just take our time and like just ch kind of chip away at it. And uh, it was like a completely freeing experience to just work on it when I wanted to work on it. And when, when I was feeling kind of overwhelmed, I didn't want to do any of that. I just didn't, I just put it away for a few days at a time and um, it was awesome. I did all the vocals in my pajamas. Yeah, that's the way to do it, cool. right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So when the record was done, it was a really cool feeling uh, getting it out because it just, uh, you know, we've. W I'm very proud of every record we've done with the story changes, but this one in particular it was like, you know, not only did we write it, we like every aspect of how it was recorded and how we wanted it to sound. We kind of dove in really deep, and it was it was really cool getting it out. And it was cool that our fans kind of took to it so much. So been an awesome experience all around yeah how do you feel like looking back on it now that you've had a little bit of time since it's been out um how do you feel the result of it is compared to you know before when you've had you know more pressure uh to to get albums out um i think it's been good i think uh the whole model for this one was just to not stress it and um just play shows forward and tour when we can and um and everything about it just release it when we can and it's I think us kind of taking that kind of stress-free approach to it's kind of like reflected in how the record came out and how people are, it's just like, we're not, we're not in a position where we're just trying to run a million ads and shove it down people's throats. So we're just kind of like, here's this, here's this record we did. We're really proud of it. And, uh, 
which is really lucky. We have a supportive fan base that kind of got behind it and kind of like just shared it. And, and, um, so yeah, it's been cool. Yeah. And you just put out the video for golden age, uh, yeah. which makes me think you're kind of a little bit of a star Wars fan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, all, all three of us in the band kind of grew up nerding out on star Wars. And, uh, it was, a it was a fun experience. We, we've never really done a full on animated video before especially one that we're in it. So that was neat in itself. And we were trying to think of something cool to do. And I, um, uh, we have a good friend, Chris Ophelius that plays in the band punchline. And he's, uh, he's an awesome animator and artist. And he, he does these series of series of drawings that he has like his own style. And we're big fans of that. So it all kind of came together and we were talking about like, what could we do in it? And one night it just kind of clicked. It was like, man, what's, I, I like the song and this, the song really just talks about kind of harking back to better times when we were younger and you're kind of like just a, a youthful innocence. And, um, and we start talking about it. And for the three of us, one thing that we, that reminds us of that is like star Wars and old, old toys and that kind of thing. And we all collect that kind of stuff. And so we just started kind of nerding out with, um, with Chris about some different characters to draw and things to spoof in it and try out. And, uh, I think he did a killer job. It's cool. It's one of my favorite things we've ever done. Yeah. The story changes. That's really cool. You happen to surround yourself with a lot of Chris's. I'm just going to point out. So. This, that is true. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I do kind of the same thing because like all of my friends, like their names begin with a J, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, I don't know why, but it just happened. You know, they're all J. So. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I, I always think about it with um, my bandmates and the story changes, but it, it, now that you saw that, it just occurred to me when I'm talking about the video that that's Chris Fafarius is definitely another Chris to add into the mix. So. Right. Right. Uh, and so um, tell me a, a little bit about kind of when you joined Hawthorne Heights, it was, it kind of became official around 2013. Um, but, yeah. you, but you'd been with them for, you know, touring for a while before that. Yeah, actually what is today's the 27th. Uh, somebody posted something on Facebook three days ago on the 24th uh, that reminded me, I, I, I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know the exact date. Uh, a couple of days ago on the 24th was my 10 year anniversary of, of playing with Hawthorne. So uh, it's been cool. You know, I've, I've uh, known these guys for quite a while. We've all been friends in the scene. We're actually from the same hometown. Um, the story changes right around when we were starting. We actually played, the album release party, the hometown release party for uh, the first Hawthorne Heights record. So that's how long we've known those guys. And um, they've always been really supportive. And uh, um, around the time when they put out their Skeletons record, uh, I did some like gang backup vocals and stuff on that with them. And, and from there, it just kind of turned into they were taking story changes out on tour and uh, just having a good time and kind of just hanging out hanging out on tour and then that just kind of turned into like playing music and uh it's been fun it's cool to think it's been 10 years now so yeah i'm really proud i'm really proud of all the the music we've done i i'm extremely proud of the uh the last hawthorne hedge record we did bad frequencies yeah so so tell me about that because that's a more recent release obviously and so um bad frequencies um uh, what was the approach when uh, that you guys went into with that and uh and how did that kind of how does that vibe feel for you um it's cool you know we uh we spent a lot of time writing that record like and doing pre-production here 
in my house in our like home studio and then um so that was like the quickest hawthorne heights record we ever recorded because we were so prepared like we booked i forget how much time we booked but we were done in like 10 days or something uh, it was wild like we had extra studio days and we were like i guess just start mixing it you know yeah um because we were done but um and what's cool i should mention about that is when we finished that record we had so many songs recorded that we couldn't fit them all on the record um you know like nowadays or most since the beginning of, of records you typically it's like 12 to however many songs because you can only fit so many on the vinyl um so we had narrowed narrow the song choice down so we had so many songs left over that we still really liked we just didn't have enough room for all of them that uh this last year we released a a collection of those extra songs plus some covers and things like that and we called it lost frequencies and that's been really cool it's been received really well by the fans as well what sort of covers did you do on that um we had a bunch of like kind of 90s covers that that we all kind of liked growing up. Um, there's a Weezer cover. There's a Cranberries cover. Uh, there's a Ramones cover of Pet Cemetery that I, I really like. But then for fun, we also, um, when we were putting it together, we we're like, well, maybe we should record a couple new things to put on this. And we were trying to think of some covers or something that would be uh, a little less, ex- like a little more unexpected from us. And um, we also were kind of looking to challenge ourselves and think a little bit outside the box of something we were comfortable doing after being a band so long, we're always looking for something new and exciting. So we decided it'd be fun to do, um, a couple artists that are way different than us, but, but artists that have like said in various interviews or different things that at one point they maybe like listened to our band growing up. So we did a Billie Eilish song. Okay. And then we did a Casey Musgrave song. Uh, so two completely different artists from us and two completely different artists from each other. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Casey Musgraves actually like reposted it and was real excited about it. And it was, it was really cool. So oh, It's fun to get that nod back, you know, when you pay tribute to someone's work like that, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And they're cool. They're like kind of stripped down versions we did based off acoustic guitar and like some different elements added. But it turned out really cool. Yeah. Um, have you recorded a lot of covers in the past? Like, have, is that something you, like, you've you've enjoyed doing? And uh... Um no, not really. It's something that was just kind of new that we had for this release, and uh, it's it was a lot of fun. I, the running joke in in Hawthorne Heights, as far as covers, is that we could never decide on one because we all like different things, and it took us like ten years to pick a cover song. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. And so, so tell me a little bit about when you were uh, growing up. What sort of music did you listen to in the, the house, or your parents were they like an influence with you? Or? Um, I. I kind of grew up uh, in the skateboarding scene and was really into that. And that introduced me to like punk rock and, and indie rock and stuff. And um, like a lot of my early exposure to that, cause I was just so into skateboarding. I liked music, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that was like, like music was just something I put on with my friends when we were hanging out. Um, but I discovered a lot of bands through like early skateboarding videos and stuff. And um and then that kind of led me on a trail. I got into like the whole Lookout Records pop punk scene, um, enjoyed that. And then eventually it was um, uh, right around the time when Nirvana hit that I was just like, whoa, this is awesome. And that that was the first band that showed me like, this is obtainable. Like 
if I buy a guitar, I can I can write songs and do this. And uh, there was like a beauty about the way they were doing it that it was so 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 good, but so simple and powerful. And uh, that inspired me to go out and get a guitar. And that's when music really like clicked for me. And I just dove headfirst into bands. And I really loved like the late '90s kind of hard rock and alternative scene. Yeah, that's okay. that's kind of like what I grew up on. Yeah, and have you had the opportunity to meet any of your musical idols that you have looked up to over the years? Um, yeah, it's always fun if we get to do a festival or something to meet meet somebody. Um, and for the most part, everybody's really nice, so that that always helps. It, you know, one one a person that I think is super underrated that I got to meet uh, is Walter Schreifels. Sings for Quick Quicksand and Rival Schools, and he was in Gorilla Biscuits, and he's he's been a part of so many amazing bands, but, uh, he's, he's kind of been like an unsung hero, um, for the kind of stuff that we do. And, uh, we'd never cross paths until, I guess it's been about two years ago. We played, uh, a festival called rock on the range in Ohio and, uh, quicksand played right after us. So I got, got a chance to meet him and he was so nice, such a good dude. So it was awesome. That's really cool. And, and so, um, you've gotten a chance over the past 10 years, obviously to, to tour and visit a lot of different locations. Like what are some of the highlights for you in terms of where you, where touring with these bands have taken you? Um, Japan's awesome. Uh, just culturally it's awesome and the shows are amazing. Um, and it's just kind of eye opening in the best way. Um, so I, like I really like going to Japan. Um, Australia is fun for like, uh, that kind of, uh, going to the beach aspect and hanging out and it's cool and the people are really nice. Um, I don't know. We got to go and it's, it's cool. We're still going to new places. We got to go to Alaska, uh, last year, last year, the year before for the first time. And, uh, that was really cool to see that. And Hawaii is always super fun for obvious reasons. Cause it's Hawaii. It's right. amazing. But, um, but yeah, but Japan's probably my favorite. It's just, it's just rad. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just everything about it's so cool, yeah. so much fun. Yeah, and um, being in the Bay Area, like, what are some venues that you like to play or areas that you like to visit when you when you get to the Bay Area? Um, you know, we've never played Gilman Street mm, in either yeah. band. I mean, obviously, like, uh, like Hawthorne's not considered punk enough, I think. But, right. Uh, <laughs> um, but all of us grew up, you know, on the lookout scene and. Uh, all those bands were such a massive influence on us on like the lookout records and East Bay pop or the Bay pop punk area. So like, I, I would love to go to Gimbal. We've never done it, but, um, I don't know. Bottom of the Hill is a, is a venue that, that we love that has a lot of history and, uh, you know, like that's always super cool. Like I've all, I remember the first time we played there, I was so excited because, uh, I love the band of veil. I grew up on that. It's it. It just they're just like a classic kind of hard, hard. Not, I don't want to call them hardcore, but like a harder edged punk pop band. And uh, um, I had their their live records called Live at the Bottom of the Hill. So yeah, the first time we played the first time we played that venue, it's like oh my gosh, we're playing Bottom of the Hill. It takes, so. takes you into where you were when you listened to that album, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I'm, I imagine you've played Slims uh, yeah. before. Yeah. Did you hear? Yeah. The, did you hear the Slims closed? I did. 
That sucks. So bummed. I was so bummed. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it hit me hard because I was just like, uh, some of the early shows that I went to, like when I was, my musical tastes were developing, like, uh, I think the first show I saw there was Taking Back Sunday and The Used. And, oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And like O2. That's pretty rad. Yeah. And uh, just so many over the years, it's just, and for it to be gone is just like such a loss. And it's a legendary venue. You know, I'm, one thing I'm worried about is, is as much as the focus is on that I've seen online is like, what are all these artists going to do and bands going to do? I'm extremely concerned, like small venues and, and mid-level venues. I mean, venues of all sizes really, but yeah. like, especially the, the independently owned small venues, like it's going to be hard, you know? Um, one cool, you know, I saw a cool thing just this morning when I was having my breakfast, I was kind of scrolling online and jimmy world's doing uh, that's a band that we've met that's mm. awesome super good guys and they are doing a series where they're performing online i believe once a week for the next few weeks and every performance they do they're picking a small venue that they grew up on or they that they grew up playing shows at that yeah. they want to support and uh and and doing donations to support that so i was like that's super cool that is really cool. I haven't heard of any artists doing that sort of thing yet. I've heard a couple, you know, trying yeah. to, you know, uh, to take donations to make ends meet. That makes sense. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's tough times, but I hadn't heard yeah, of anybody definitely, doing venues. Def- everyone's definitely looking at like, oh my gosh, how long do we have to budget till we can go back on tour, you know? And it's, it's a real situation for sure. Yeah. So you, I mean, you guys still have a bunch of dates planned for Hawthorne Heights and, you know, and that's yeah. kind of still on the books and hope that this, you know, shit gets rectified, you know, pretty quick. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're still kind of feeling that out. I think like the rest of the world, everyone's just kind of, uh, sitting right now, like hoping for the best and, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do, need to do to be safe about it. And, and, we'll get back out of the road as soon as we can. So as of now, you know, everything's going on that schedule. So. Yeah. Um, and so as, as we kind of wind down, does this, um, does this pandemic that we're in, does this like open up, uh, your channels for you to kind of be more, be creative, get in that studio in your house and, uh, kind of record some stuff. What, like, what does that look like for you? You know, I, I hope so. We've just, we've been kind of busy the last week with just behind the scenes stuff and kind of, uh, um, working on projects, you know, like for the band that are not necessarily like music related, you know, and, um, and just kind of regrouping that way. But, um, I'm hoping that, you know, if I'm stuck at home soon, I'll be able to get down, get down in there and kind of hash out some new songs. So yeah, that's always, that's always helps, helps me kind of keep my head on straight anyways. So it'll probably be a kind of much needed yeah, much needed time. It's great to have that uh, ability, that outlet, right, to be able to. <laughs> to yeah, do that absolutely, in, in for sure. Time, so, yeah. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Mark, for taking the time. I appreciate it. Uh, and, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, digging on the new album, and uh, hope to see you guys uh, when, when you're here. You know, I know you're slated to be here in Berkeley. Um, I think it's, uh, oh, I don't know, in June or something like that, right? So. Um, yeah. So fin- fingers crossed for that tour coming together and everything. So. Yeah, ho- hopefully that's good. it's such a rad tour. It's us and Bayside and Senses Fail and Can't Swim. So um, yeah. you know whether it's then or whether they have to push it back one way or another, we're looking forward to it. So yeah, have you ever opened for Hawthorne Heights as the uh, story changes? Have you kind of done that dynamic yet or double? Yeah, it's it's not something that we do often because. You know, JT JT from Hawthorne plays solo too, and it's not. So, we always talk about like, you know, like we just do one or the other. But um, um, 
we have done shows uh, where stories supported. Um, we did we did a couple tours that way early on too, yeah. where I was playing with playing with both. Um, it was fun. It was kind of exhausting. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> sure your wife by the end. <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah. cool. It was very cool of them to uh, to do that early on when I, it was when I was just playing like as a live member. They they brought my band out essentially to yeah. help out, and uh, it was super cool. So, and then ironically enough, after years of doing that, um, when Hawthorne Heights original drummer just he just got tired of touring because he had a, a young daughter and stuff, and he had some opportunities at home, um, and it was all on good terms. But when he left, uh, Story Changes drummer that's been with me since day one, he he came in and he's been playing with Hawthorne, and that's been I think five years now. So yeah, it's been yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, Mark, stay safe. Yeah. Stay indoors as much as you can, and uh, hope we, we push this through and you know get some more live shows because that's what it's all about. So I appreciate you. You take it awesome. Thanks for having me, man. That was the interview with Mark McMillan from The Story Changes and Hawthorne Heights. Fantastic interview. Thank you, thank you. It was a it was a fun little FaceTime chat, and uh, uh, we're found out that we're both surviving this the best we can, right? Yep, absolutely. And uh, so that was your first FaceTime chat, and. Did it feel awkward to you, or did it feel like, oh my god, you know, no big deal, easy to transition from the real thing at the venue right over to FaceTime? It it felt okay. It felt okay. You know, um, it was comfortable, and it was just a conversation. Is you know, but it was a better connection, I think, because we were able to see each other and uh, and realize that we're both in this and we're both doing this thing from our homes and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all in the same boat it's yeah. like an instant connection that you have with someone yeah yeah exactly so it, if you've never even heard them before it's like wow we have something in common yes so it was it was better with bridging that gap and maybe we'll try and do more of those in the future i mean to be honest i don't know what the future of this podcast is going to look like for a while i mean but we're gonna i mean I, my promise was to keep doing it the best we can uh when we can if we're gonna have a couple weeks break that's fine too you know because there's no concerts but try and get some bands to to talk and do some chats from their home if possible so right on right on dude i was gonna ask you something right before the interview totally well, forgot hit it Has anyone in your neighborhood been howling? Oh, that's a thing at eight o'clock at night or something now. Like, yes. what is that? I I, I heard about Dude, that today. That's what I was wondering yesterday, because this started in my neighborhood about four days ago. Okay. And it was uh, it was after the sunset. Um, I didn't look at the clock. Didn't know it was eight, but eight sounds about right. Um, and then there was just this howling off in the distance. And I thought to myself, oh, oh, my God, it's the coyotes again, because that's really nothing all that unusual where I live. Yeah. Um, we've got China Camp State Park just across the street, and there are lots of coyotes, and they howl, you know. But then, same thing again the next day. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird, and that sounds louder, and it doesn't really uh -huh. sound... <laughs> it's getting closer. <laughs> it sounds kind of human. Like, yeah. is it Halloween? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I thought maybe someone's having a party and they're watching like crazy, I don't know, scary shit movies and they're howling. Like maybe American Werewolf in London or whatever. You know, they're howling. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Maybe they're having Shaun of the Dead zombie parties, right? Yeah. Apocalyptic. Anyway, so my, was, my mind was getting creative. And then, but last night I was outside and I was, uh, I was uh, drilling holes into a wine barrel 
and I had my flashlight because it was dark. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, I start hearing it again, right? It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? And then the kid, there's a kid on the other side of the wall where I live. Uh-huh. Uh, his name is Dylan, and he's hilarious. And he's always um, out in the backyard playing ball with, I don't know, some relative. Yeah, the balls um, end up falls, in your yard. Yeah, and, always yeah, fly yeah. over the, the brick wall and land in my uh, and land in my um, yard, right? Yeah. So I just throw them back. I'm like, with, hey, with a dose of coronavirus. And... With a dose of coronavirus, exactly. This has been going on for years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually met him. I couldn't tell you what he looks like. <laughs> He's just the neighbor kid on but, the other side. But you know his name. Wall. Yeah, I know his name. I've talked to his parents. I I don't know what they look like. It's it's like this weird relationship we have. It's it's like Wilson from Home Improvement, where you only see the yeah, top of the yes, face. Yes, yes, yes. Where you yes. see maybe the top of his head. Uh-huh, or yeah, it's exactly the same thing. I mean, we can't even we can't see each other at all, but it's it's the same thing. Every now and then, um, uh, Dylan will come over and leave a note at our door and say, "Oh my God, would you would you be so cool and, and kind and nice and just throw my 12 balls back over the fence. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, shit, I haven't been out in the backyard in, like, two weeks. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, sometimes you guys don't somewhere. go and, you know, you don't go back there and corn stalks grow and you don't At even all. notice. So. Yeah, I mean, literally, there, there have been times where I haven't been in the backyard for at least a month or two or three. Yeah. Like that fucking corn stalk. They must have been at least, mm. what, five feet tall? Yeah, absolutely. Never even saw it growing there. Nope. <laughs> Showed anyway. up from nowhere. I don't yeah. even know what I was talking about. Was you talking were talking about. about the howling, and the first I heard about this the was howling, yesterday. Right. I heard about this yesterday in a live stream, like I talked about before. I was watching another of Andrew McMahon's. He was doing a B-side live stream yesterday, and uh, and he talked about how uh, him and his family do the howling at 8 p.m. at night, and I don't know what the fuck it is up with that. I haven't looked it up or anything, but uh, uh, but it's interesting. Yeah, yeah so I'm um, talking about looking it up. So I was... Uh... I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, okay, here's this fucking howling again. And this definitely sounds like there are a bunch, a bunch of people at a party howling, but it was coming from all around me. And I just figured it was an echo or something. You know, it wasn't lots of different people all around me. It was probably just one party and it was just echoing. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. So I, was, I started meowing because it seemed like the right thing to do just to fuck with Dylan, the kid across the wall that yeah. I've never seen before. So I was like, Mah! like a dying cat and he'd be like and every time I did he was just like oh my god oh my god did you hear that it's a cat it's a cat oh my god did you hear that it's a cat <laughs> so he's trying to like talk yeah. to me in it, wolf yeah yeah and I am you know replying in dying uh-huh. cat language yeah yeah um anyway so then I was like it's too dark to do anything else out here I'm going back inside you know eventually went to bed Opened up my phone, started reading um, crap on Nextdoor, on that Nextdoor app where yeah. you can know all about your neighbors. And holy shit, it's post after post after post about all the howling that's been going on. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it started in Mill Valley, and originally it was from Italy. You know, it was like a custom in Italy that they that they did. You know, they were singing, and they were howling, and, and then somebody else commented, no, it wasn't. It started in Wuhan, China, and it was you know, honoring one's family and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Holy shit. There's all this drama going on on internet land. Yeah. And I'm thinking it's like real wolves. That's pretty special. <laughs> it's fucking special. dude. That's it's great. so fucking special. I appreciate you sharing that story. And you know what? 
We have some other stories for, uh, as well for the audience, don't we? We do. We do. We do. We do. We have stories to share. In, in a segment that we like to call. And they won't be about people that have died, but it is time for our signature segment. The music news. That is right. So we got to start with some sad stories, Jens, and hopefully oh, you're killing me here. I know. I know it's, well, it's not just you that you're, that's being killed here, you know, and some others are being killed by the coronavirus, and it's really oh, sad. shit, man. It's getting serious. You know, and this is making it real for, for some people. And uh, and so yeah. we had a, a couple of musicians this week that, uh, that died uh, from coronavirus, and some, you know, fairly notable that have left behind a mark on um, music, and this really hit a lot of people pretty hard. So uh, the first, you know, uh, I'll cover the first one, and I think you have one as well um, to, to hit. And the first is uh, Adam Schlesinger uh, from Fountains of Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, I mean, yeah, you and I know him from... Uh, from from Stacy's mom, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, we know him from Stacy's mom, but he's done so much more than, than that as well. I mean, he did the, uh, the theme song to crank anchors, the old comedy central mm-hmm. crank calling show. He, yeah, that shit was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. He, I didn't realize that. Are you serious? He did that? Yeah. He produced for motion city soundtrack as well, uh, which is a band that I, uh, really love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, what, what was it that? Um, who else paid, paid tribute to him? I don't know. The one that was notable today that I read was uh, from Sarah Silverman, a comedian. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, here's what she had to say. Uh, My friend Adam Schlesinger died yesterday from this pandemic. I feel like I'm supposed to say something, but I'm in shock. I'm just kind of numb, and I can't seem to convince myself it's true. My body won't believe it. I'm in NYC, where I came to work with him to finally mount a musical we had been working on together for almost seven years. I, wow. I write this from an Airbnb he found for me, sitting in a chair he was in just under three weeks ago, the last time we worked together before he started feeling sick. Adam was an astonishing songwriter and composer and one of the funniest people you could know. His songs are funny and poignant and often, despite himself, stunningly heartfelt. Adam was hilarious uh, and generous and kind. We've worked together for years, both of us able to fight hard like siblings, always always knowing that we loved each other like siblings he was my brother i live for the time this is over when we can squeeze our loved ones and when our gang will be back working together bringing his music to life my heart is broken um wow i'm depressed that was just brilliant writing and brilliant delivery because it was heartfelt and it made this whole thing all of a sudden so damn real yeah yeah, um, and and so he he just done he had done a lot of work. I mean, outside of that as well, uh, crazy ex girlfriend. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to see what else. That thing you do. That was a, that was the other one. Tom yeah, Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks paid tribute to him uh, yeah. because he wrote the theme song for that theme that thing you do, which I mean, blew that movie out of the water. I mean, and as much as Tom Hanks' performance, I mean that song. Mm-hmm. 
so notable, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the other. I mean, I would say that's like the number two thing I remember from from him. Yeah. Um, so he's he did he did a ton. He hit his mark with a lot of people, and and we lost him. And so it's, you know, thoughts go out to. Uh, fucking sucks man his family and everything it's this is a beast and it's it's not getting smaller he he will be missed yeah he will be missed and his humor and his kindness and his music will live on yeah you have uh you have one that we lost also right yeah thank you for delivering depressing news Um, so let me take a step back here. So uh, I live just down the street from the uh, Marin Civic Center where they have the... Um, the fair and everything? The fair, yeah. right. Thank you. The Marin County Fair. And you, correct me if I'm wrong, have seen Joan Jett perform there? Um, I don't think so. Uh, no, You've I don't think so. you seen her before, though, I did you? see her. I saw her at Warp Tour. Uh, a couple like fifteen uh, years ago or something uh, in Sacra- uh-huh. in Sacramento, I think uh, mm-hmm. she played Warp Tour. It was a you know one of those crazy editions, you know that uh, um, was I mean really cool to have and you know and so I saw her there, took some pictures of her and um, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was I mean it was hot. I remember it being so hot, like one hundred and ten oh, at least. My God. You know and uh, cool performance. Crazy. Yeah. So her music is just so freaking legendary. Yeah. Right, I'm so happy that she's still out there. She's touring, and she's letting. Well, no one's out there touring, but well, not now, you know. But <laughs> yeah, shut up. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, she's but doing she's her out thing. There. She's still doing it, right? It's not like she went on and all of a sudden had a different life and was never heard from again. It's great that she's out there with her, you know, um, letting her fans see her and you know making new fans and stuff. Uh, she and she had so many good songs, including "I Love Rock and Roll." Iconic. Yeah. So hmm. that song was co-wrote, co-written, um, and Alan Merrill was one of the uh, guys who uh, co-wrote it, and he passed away uh, just this last Sunday um, from the COVID nineteen yeah. virus. And fuck, dude. I mean, has it really been that? long that this virus has been going on or is it just so damn aggressive i mean it's hitting hard it's, it's crazy how uh how many people this is affecting yeah yeah it's it's pretty nuts um it's pretty nuts and so and it's it's hitting hard and it's hitting quick right like yeah it really some, is sometimes there's not any notice uh, wow. you know around uh um, it coming and and you being you know in isolation and just fighting it and the, and the thing is is that we have no vaccination so I know you know it's gonna get worse before it gets better and we are gonna have to push through this for a long time and re- definitely and be safe for yeah dude I mean but seriously this is just the beginning if they're saying they're not gonna have um... yeah dude. Vaccination. Uh, yeah. Vaccination. Vaccination. If they're not going to have a vaccination, vaccination available yes. to the public, uh, in like I don't know, two years or something, they have to go through the trial process, and they have to go through the approval, and it has to be manufactured and then shipped. You know, that takes so much time. All of that. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. I mean, if we're here, 
I just at I, home for two years. I, you know, I mean, it's Dude. it's going to be a rough couple year. You know, it's going to be a rough time. Like we just have to be <laughs> as safe yeah. as we I can mean, be, and, and and band through this together, right? Like we have to come come together as one and not exactly. You know, and we've got music to bring us together. We've got music to bring us together. We've got hit songs like "I Love Rock and Roll," and um, they wrote that, recorded it back in 1975. How old were you? How many negative years? <laughs> How many were you? negative years? I was about eight negative years. Thank you. You were eight negative years. Okay. <laughs> so that's got to be like as old as World War One or something for you. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's about the same. Before birth, you yeah. know, ancient history. <laughs> yeah it's about then <laughs> yeah okay so um so his daughter laura uh broke the sad news to the fans um on facebook and she wrote i've been trying to sleep but can't i woke up normally yesterday with the world at my feet and now today i lay here empty i've always been very open here on social media because i believe sharing your experiences both good and bad can be healing not just to myself, but others. The coronavirus took my father this morning. I was given two minutes to say my goodbyes Oof. before I was rushed out. Oh my gosh. That's he seemed cool. peaceful, and as I left there was still a glimmer of hope that he wouldn't be a ticker on the right-hand side of the CNN Fox News screen. Wow, man. Wow. And that's one of the things, you know, about this that is so difficult, yeah. right? Yeah, because, I it's, mean, that's what it is. It's what it's about to. Yeah, he's he's a ticker at this point. He's there, and he's, it's it's ticking by, and then on to the next, because so many people are impacted, and so many people were lost, yeah. and it's the only story out there. Exactly. You know? Yeah, so. and it's just one person after the next, and after the next. Yeah. And so many of these people are forced to die alone. Yeah. Yeah. Cause right? it's can, not one of those situations where you have your family around you or whatever. No. Cause you can Quarantine. get them, can get them sick and you know, and you need to protect God, everybody else. Fucked, yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is uh, impacting others also. I mean like, uh, in, and through other senses because normal medical procedures and stuff that we'd expect to be able to handle isn't able to get handled. Uh, for example, Ozzy Osbourne, he canceled his Parkinson's treatment. Um, uh, he's planning an upcoming visit to Switzerland for medical treatment for his Park- Parkinson's disease um, due to restrictions um, during the global health crisis. Um, and he was diagnosed with the neurological condition in 2003, but he first revealed news of his status in January, and he was going to participate in a six- to eight-week treatment regimen to help with the uh, degenerative issue. Um, so his wife, Sharon says we had to cancel our trip to Switzerland. Um, uh, and, uh, we were meant to go on the 8th of April, but we had to cancel for his treatment. We're just hanging in like everybody else, just trying to stay away and be quiet and just hold uh, it in there. But I honestly, uh, find this such frightening times. I, I just think it's a really, really frightening time to be alive. I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, I'm bonding with all these people and this is amazing. I'm not that way. I cry every day when I watch the death toll go up and more and more people catch this virus and I'm just devastated by it. For me, I'm heartbroken. So, um, you know, 
Ozzy's not able to get his uh, treatment that he needs, and hope you know, hopefully he'll be able to push through. But yeah, I mean, everybody's, especially the older generation. He's seventy-one, like mm. are at risk, you know. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. Anybody who already is susceptible to illness easily, you know, or has a pre-existing condition, God, they are. Yeah, they're having a hard time. Yeah, you got another story for us, Jens? Um, yes. So, every now and then, I've talked about Dylan. You have? Yeah. I'm a fan. He has had such a massive impact on music. Um, he's still alive, right? He's in his late 70s, and uh, he's still touring. I actually bought tickets. Did I tell you this? I bought Dylan tickets. Oh, I didn't know you bought them. No, because he was going to yeah. play at the Greek, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, I think he has two nights there, Saturday and Sunday. So I bought... Where's my invite, asshole? <laughs> yeah, sorry, dude. I figured... I'm the one who told you about it. way Steve is going to go to this. I mean, you're, you're, you're not wrong, but, but I told you about it. Where's my invite? You invite. I have to pay Steve like $5,000 to go to a I mean, I'd go, I'd go if you bought my ticket. I'm not an, an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I bought his fucking ticket uh, like five minutes after they went on sale. And, um, and then I already, did I know at that time? I don't know. I, I think I already sort of had an underlying feeling of whether I really should buy these or not. Sure. Because I felt like, okay, there's this virus. It has just left China or something. Um, <laughs> and it just popped up in Washington State or whatever. Yeah, let's do this. Let's get together and have a party. And I know. And I'm like, um, kind I'm, of wondering if this concert's really going to happen or not. Whatever. I'll if just, I'm going out, it's with Dylan, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, I'll just buy it. And what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that could happen? Or... <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I don't mean like getting affected or anything. Oh, uh, yeah, no, we're expecting that. I'm yeah. just like, they either cancel the concert and don't refund you, or they cancel the concert and reschedule it. And when go, when uh, was this show set to be? So, um, what? When was this show set? Like, what is I think it? June. Okay, so it, has it been canceled or postponed? I haven't heard okay. about it. I haven't heard about it. I did have all those tickets to see Pearl Jam in Oakland. Mm, I didn't know that either. Totally canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last time I looked at their uh, tour list, that was a while ago. Um, yeah. All their U.S. tour dates have canceled. Oakland, I think they were there for a night or two, was their very last uh, date in the U.S., and then they were heading to Europe. And I, when I looked... Um, all of those shows were still set to go, but I, I doubt that they are now. Sure. So you got a Dylan sucks. you got a Dylan story though. I got a Dylan story. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Before I start with this article, okay. I'm gonna tell you that uh, I knew this Dylan song was gonna drop. I knew what day it was gonna drop. You did. I was looking forward to it, and that just so happened that I had to run an errand. I had to go from my house to Walgreens and back. Ooh, okay. That's about a 17-minute trip, right? <laughs> yes! Dude, you hit the nail on the head. This is a 17-minute song. So uh, Dylan's got a new song, totally epic. It's called Murder Most Foul. It's not a new song in the sense that he just wrote it and released it. Um, he uh, said on Twitter or some place, I don't remember, that um, 
uh, he was releasing a song from a while back, right? Okay. Very open ended. So I think this was, I think he recorded this back in 2012. Wow, okay. I think when he released Tempest, maybe a little earlier than that, somewhere around that time. Um, and I'm just saying that because his voice in the song sounds a more, lot like his voice on during that album. More yeah. pronounced, like you can understand a little bit of what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Later in life, Dylan, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he makes more of an effort or if he's just less stoned or what. But 17 freaking minutes. And the only thing I knew about the song, two things. One, it was 17 minutes. Two, yeah. uh, it was about JFK. Mm, yeah. So I download the thing on my phone. I hop in the car, plug in the plug in the phone, um, and I'm like, I'm gonna go to Walgreens and back, and I'll probably, you know, kick back on the couch and finish the song then, right? Uh huh. Yeah. I get to Walgreens. I like, okay, pause. Uh huh. So it doesn't keep on playing while I'm in the store. You know, I buy my drugs. I get back in the car. I press play. I'm like, damn, the song is intense. It is like intense it's got crazy lyrics it's got all these like weird ass references um and some of them sound really familiar and that violin or whatever it is in the background is so haunting it is so freaking haunting and while i'm trying to like convince myself how awesome the song is it's like 17 fucking minutes of this i mean like one minute is enough yeah yeah I get into my driveway, dude. I park. Okay, I'm done with my trip to Walmart. Uh-huh. I'm in the driveway, and the song is still playing. You go, you do your laundry, you pay your taxes. You, the song is still going. You, yes. you take a shower. Like, you the song never ends. Mow the lawn. And- <laughs> mow the lawn, right? You have kids. Your kids have kids. Your yeah, kids, yeah. kids have kids. Yeah. The world He's, ends. Dylan know, is like, droning on about some bullshit that happened eight years ago. <laughs> I know. And the only thing. Um, that I'm really like wanting to know at the very end of the song is whether Dylan is the only person that knows who actually killed JFK. Mm. It's like that would make this whole experience. <laughs> He's revealing. Like, just tell me who fucking shot him. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I I agree. I think we should play the song right now. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm no. gonna take a nap. <laughs> We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. Right. So anyway, uh, anyway that, so that was my experience with uh, that song. After that, I did some research. And um, like one of the lyrics was something a lot, something along the lines of, you know, there's a, a nightmare on Elm Street. Or okay, something. <laughs> yeah, you know? so that's a dated reference too. References yeah, references, and I'm like, what? Uh-huh. Has he seen that movie? You know, <laughs> what the hell? That's totally unlike Dylan. And then I'm thinking, I think he's doing song lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, and then so I go online and I Google a song, and yeah. Dude, he is he is reciting song lyrics from all these different artists during the whole era of the JFK assassination. Wow, okay. And there's actually a playlist. Somebody put together a playlist that you can just add to Apple Music or whatever, you know, subscription you have. Um, and boom, you've got like 30 songs. I don't remember how many there are, you yeah. know, but you've got over two dozen songs maybe. Um, really good stuff. Um that you can then listen to. It's like, holy shit, you listen to all this stuff and put it all together and put it, you know, 
uh, made it all relevant to the whole assassination. And I really felt like after that 17 minutes, it was a little bit like watching a movie about this and going <laughs> kind of back in time yeah. and sort of feeling what it was like back then and the experiences people had. Wow. I mean, it was kind of surreal. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm a fan. I've got to say, I didn't think okay. I would be, but... How many times have you listened to this song? Twice. Okay, you went back to it. Okay. Another, I, I didn't really give it a good listen uh-huh. either time. I tried to, but I just <laughs> sort of started spacing out. Yeah, know, yeah. It's hard to focus for 17 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm thinking maybe, you know, if I am lucky enough to see Dylan again, maybe he'll do like a two-hour version of that same song. Oh, hopefully. Uh, Yeah, encore, (laughs) encore. Keep it going. (laughs) Right, dude. Right. Speaking of keeping it going, uh, we need to wind this podcast out at some point. We do. Man, this has been going on for too long. This is going. Um, So I'll finish this off here with a a quick story, and then, uh, of course, we'll end with something a little... uh, a little Foo Fighters-y, right? How's that sound? Yes! Yes! Uh, hit me! Okay, so uh, so first off, before we get to Foo Fighters, let's, let's lift it up a little bit in this COVID-19 time and just let you know that Metallica has donated $350,000 to COVID-19 relief. That's so, fantastic. So, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but, you know, their, uh, their charity, All Within My Hands... Uh, uh, donated that donated that uh, grants to four organizations battling the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, and uh, uh, and th- that is broken down between Feeding America, Directory Leaf, Crew Nation, and uh, the USBG National Charity Foundation. So, hats off to Metallica for really doing some good in this really touching time. Fantastic, Metallica. Peace. Um, respect. Yes. yes. So I told you last weekend about Dave Grohl's stories that he's posting on Instagram. Um, so this week's story recounts, recounts a Pandera, excuse me, uh, pan, I'm like mixing pandemic and Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pan, Pantera fandom. Pantera-demic. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, his, so he's, uh, he, he's talking about his fandom friendship uh, uh, with Texas Rockers, Rockers. Oh my gosh, I've had two beers and I can't even read. Uh, Pantera. What day is it? I know. In the latest edition of his uh, Instagram series, Dave's True Stories, you can look that up and follow it. Uh, and he shares a tale of being asked to perform at a, a 1998 UK edition of OzFest where they would follow Pantera uh, while detailing his curiosity at the band's fit on the bill. Uh, he also puzzled through his fears of having to follow the heaviness that would fire up the 65,000-strong crowd like no other. Um, he wrote, I stepped to the side of the stage and witnessed what can only be described as the most awesome, most brutal, most vulgar display of power known to man, Pantera, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in all their glory, absolutely destroying the stage. Um, and... Uh, he, he goes on from there. You can check out the, uh, the story on his Instagram, as I said. Um, we've talked before about their van 25th anniversary van tour for the Foo Fighters, and, um, and they rescheduled those dates to um, October time frame. Um, that it wasn't hitting the area here, but fuck, I'm telling you, like at that point in October... I may be ready to travel and just go see Foo Fighters, uh, <laughs> right. you know, in Phoenix or something like that, you know, yeah, just like to yeah, get, get to a concert, exactly. but who cares anywhere? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
that's our story there. And uh, and speaking of Dave Grohl, um, to kind of lead into what we got on our next podcast, it's going to be a little bit different. It hasn't been recorded yet, so I'm assuming it's going to happen. But I th- uh, but I think I can make it happen. Um, one of my uh, coworkers, let's say, uh, it, he used to run a club in the uh, mid '90s, and um, and the club was. Um, is that that sex club you were talking to me about? Yes, that's that, that's what it was. <laughs> no, it was called the Cactus Club in San Jose, um, and uh, and that like there's a documentary. If you search Cactus Club San Jose on YouTube, you can watch it. It's really cool. Uh, but this club was a launching point for a lot of bands, uh, and uh, and Nirvana played there, and wow. and uh, No Doubt played there. And Corn yes. played there. Wow. And, and it was the first underage club in San Jose, like less than 21, uh, where uh, kids could go to. And the, the town kept like trying to shut it down in a sense. But, it, you know, it was a breaking point for bands to be able to connect with a younger audience and, yeah. and, you know, younger fans to be able to go see these incredible bands. And so um, I'm going to talk to my coworker, Sean. Um, who used to run this club, and uh, he's in this documentary, and uh, and I mean, I just want to hear the stories, you know, from this time where music was booming and these these acts that were become legendary performed, you know. I want to know about each and every freaking one of them, you know. Like, yeah, all right. And and just that's talk about sweet. it. So, um, so that's the goal for the next pod is to to get Sean on uh, on here and. Uh, uh, and do a different type sort of podcast where we're not interviewing a band, but we're interviewing someone who has incredible stories to share uh, in the music industry. That's fantastic, and that's what's so fun about so many podcasts is you to really get to get immersed into you know people's experiences about things. Yes, so the fun pod tonight, Jens. Yeah, it's good talking to you uh, and keeping a safe distance. You know, I think a good. Um, 52 minute distance from you is safe enough 45 to 52 yeah <laughs> heavy foot yeah yeah pretty much so <laughs> all right everybody that's our show so thanks for listening uh stay safe stay at home uh, take care of your loved ones from afar of course don't get too close to anybody else and uh yeah for all of us here at concert pipeline that's jen shippel and that is steve jones we'll catch you next time see ya